Are we recording? Is this happening? We're recording now. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Pancom Podcast with me, your host, Mike Beltran, oh. the sound guy, Nick Jimenez, and this our guy's special head is getting huge <laughs> right now. <laughs> and our special guest, Eileen Andrade. We're going to insert some kind of sound. I got to say that this cigar, I hated the wrapper and I hated the name. But so far, a couple chupandos in, soplandos in. A couple chupandos Oh, man. I never thought wow. I would see the day that Nick was left without words. Wow. <laughs> couple chupandos in. Uh, yeah, so for anybody who's listening, uh, we are smoking Southern Draw Cedrus. Cedrus. Which is, I'm not crazy about that name either. Yeah. But it's made by AJ Fernandez. I'm a fan of a lot of the stuff he makes. Yeah, me too. So, so anyway, so, yeah. we're here with Eileen Andrade. I know. Let's tell the people. Hello, hello. Let's tell, tell the people who Eileen, who Eileen is. All the things that Eileen is. You're so many things. Tell the people oh, all the things. so many things? Yeah. Am I? For sure. What um, do you mean? I'm Cuban-American. There you go. 4'11". Oh. 30. Not single. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I am the chef and owner of Finca Table and Tap and Amelia's 1931. Uh, born and raised in Miami. Love Cuban culture. Love where I'm from. I wake up thinking I'm more Cuban than American, and I think in Cuban and speak in English. That's pretty much it. Yeah, that's good. This is wow. why we get along so well. <laughs> I have to say that, you know, I remember, like, years ago, when you opened up Finca, I was like, man. That takes some, like a serious pair to go out there. It's almost like the desert of like good restaurants, right? And say, and why is that? Where, where are we talking about? Oh, sorry. For all of our people out in Salina, Salina. Kansas. <laughs> per capita. Per our capita. audience is in Salina. We, gotta, we always have to give the shout out to our people in Salina. Um, and we're big in New Hampshire too. We are big in New Hampshire also. So it's like west. It's like once you pass 87th Avenue in Miami, it's like west it's like leading out to like Mikasuki. Yeah. Before, I remember in high school, there was like nothing out there. Nothing. It was zero. So really, it's, I mean. Uh, we're essentially called Unincorporated Date because we don't have a name. So hopefully we'll get a name soon. But I consider Finca. like West we're Kendall. We're going to Town. Finca Town. Finca Town. Hey. Oh, wow. We're yeah. going to call Francis. Let him know. We're going to call all these Miami <laughs> political types. Be like Finca Town. So for basically, for again, for the people who are not from around here, it's like in any big city. You're out in the that burbs. area of the suburbs where yeah. people may not think, oh, well, this is where I'm going to find this kind of restaurant. Correct. I do yeah. think, sorry, totally off subject, but I do think that the way that Miami is growing. Sure. Like, you know, now there's like a downtown Doral. There's like. Downtown you know, Dayland. There's downtown Dayland. There's do like Dolphin Mall is its own country. They actually have, you have to get Border Patrol to get yeah. in. It's like crazy. Passport. Well, there's a hotel that's there. There's just yeah. two the hotels mall. now. There's two hotels <laughs> and like Ikea, Bass Pro Shops. It's like fucking wild. I, I went to Dolphin Mall the other day and I was like, where am I? This is crazy. Yeah. You know? So Miami's just like, the growth has been so fast over the last 10 years. And I mean, it was like, so, how was Finca received? Honestly, wait, can we curse? 
Well, yes. Really? Okay, no, because you, you said, never met me. Like, I know, can but you, curse you know, I've done this podcast? before, and then uh, do you know? all the cursing you have okay. inside of you. Let it out so here. Just, yeah, all sh- the anger. <laughs> let me tell you about. I anger. was shitting my pants when I opened <laughs> Finca. To be quite honest, um, we started off. So Finca used to be a KFC Long John Silver's. So that's always an interesting fact. And part of our restaurant, the part that we actually expanded, was where the drive-through was. When we purchased Finca, it was just going to be that main dining room, which seats maybe. I don't know, 60, 70 people. And my mom's like, nope, we're going to make it bigger because we need a liquor license and you need 200 seats and full meals to get a liquor license. Cool. And I'm like, "Uh, no, not cool. I don't know if I can fill up this restaurant. So she was like, no, we're going bigger, going home. So I was quite scared. I was freaking out um, just because my parents were my investors and I really didn't want to let them down. And I didn't want to let like my community down. I grew up in that area and I knew what I was about to provide that community was something super different and it could have gone one it it could have been a flop or could have gone how it thankfully went and we were slammed from day one it's amazing obviously the hype has uh slowed down but honestly the first year has still been our best year that's amazing yeah that's good i mean uh i don't know if it's like the hype has died down it's just you become you become like, okay, Finca's there. Like, I know Finca's right. there. It's always going to be there. You know, right. like, how, how many years has it been? Now? Five years. That's incredible. Like, yeah. five years. Do you, like, the hump. You know, like, after yeah. that third year hump, yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, my God. Nah. No, I mean, we were joking about Finca Town. Nobody calls it that, but to a lot of people, that's Finca Town. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, when you're going past 107th, on, yeah, just go to Finca. It's fun. You know, like, that's where you'll get, where you're going to get good food. But also, let's rewind a little bit, talking about your mom. You come from one of the most legendary restaurant families in the city, you know, like... Thank you for that. Well, I mean, and I will say 100%, and this is coming from a, a person that makes plenty of croquetas, the best croqueta comes from your family. Isla Canaria has the best croqueta and some of the best Cuban food in all South Florida. And Thank for people who are not from around here... That's not only is that your opinion. I think that's like it's hard to find somebody who doesn't think that. Nah, there's plenty of assholes. Yeah, no, yeah. I read the comments. But compared, yeah. it's, read the it's, comments. It's, clo- read the it's, comments it's closer to consensus yeah. than no, any honestly, other food I, question in town. I, okay, I ate croquetas my whole life, so I should be very bored of them. And I still like people know my breakfast. Most if I have breakfast, it's gonna be a cafecito and a croqueta. And I should be probably so over these croquetas, but. Um, I think it's just fresh ingredients. We make them daily. My brother is actually the one that makes them. So it's all within the family. My uncle and my brother run a small little factory where we pump out thousands of croquetas and they get delivered to all the restaurants. And we get deliveries every day. So I think that's the difference. You know, you're not just buying some box that's been sitting in a freezer for three months. Um, You know you've made it when you have a factory that makes croquetas. (laughs) That right there, that to me... Like, that's amazing. We have a small factory that produces our croquetas. And your brother is the man behind the croquetas. It's incredible. He's a croqueta master. Actually, um, today I was eating at this new place. Man, I'm going to forget. I'm going to butcher the name. Malik's. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I saw. Yeah. And and I'm sorry that I don't know his name because I don't follow UFC fighting. Do you? No, no. What is the gentleman? He does, the gentleman that knocked out the guy. In Jorge, five, Jorge so he was there. Oh. And he said on one of the podcasts or an interview, a radio interview, that his favorite croquetas were La Le- Canaria. On, on Levitard. So, yeah. yeah, on the Levitard ah. show. Correct. See, I'm yeah. so sorry they, so for everyone listening. So they gave him like listening. a Miami quiz and they said, best croqueta. He said, Isla Canaria and Florida for Bacalao. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw him today, and then one of my friends test, tested him. He's like, so where are the best croquetas uh, in Miami? He's like, uh, Ila Canaria. And he's like, good, because uh, her brother makes them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was a... Uh, uh, cool to see him I, I don't follow sports at all so i'm sorry to anyone listening and thinks i'm an asshole for not knowing his name either. or anything not anymore miami sports is terrible just all i know we'll is that continue. he has a big game november 2nd and i was just making sure he was eating the right things because my brother right. was like yo what is he eating I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to new york to see that fight yeah <laughs> for sure he, he is the single most miami person in professional sports oh yeah by awesome. like by far he so, is so very Miami. We're just proud that he's part of our yeah. team. So <laughs> peak, legit. peak Miami was in that same interview after they were got through quizzing him on croquetas and the best pan con lechon and all the rest. They asked him, okay, Santa's in China Forest or the youth fair? And he ended up going youth fair because he thought the food was better. Ah, why not? Because what? The, the food, food is better at the youth fair. Uh, true. <laughs> well, I think it's more I varied. I think it's more varied. I Listen, used to go Santa's to Santa's, China, that's Santa's scary. with my grandma Oof. for arepas. That was her jam. Like, every time Santa's was happening, my grandma and I would go. She would watch me ride all the rides by myself. I don't know why I was a loser with no friends. But <laughs> I went by myself with my grandma, and she would have arepas. And that's, like, one vivid memory I have of my grandmother. One serious question, though. When's the last time you went to Santa's Enchanted Forest? All the people in Kansas really Honestly, want to know. I think it was, like, two and a half years ago. It's kind of embarrassing. Wow, that's, that's actually recent. pretty recent. No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. I was going to be like, you know, like... 15 years I can't no, tell you I went, went because I hadn't been in probably 10 years and I was like you know what I kind of want to go and sit on Santa's lap take a picture and say I went to Santa's, <laughs> Santa's Enchanted Forest that's, that's one of the benefits of being 411 though yeah. it doesn't right. look quite as weird <laughs> doesn't look quite as weird yeah honestly I would love to see both of you sitting <laughs> on Santa's lap I mean you know we'll, we'll do it for the podcast yeah. we can make it happen we'll bring Santa Actually, on as a guest yeah. on that topic does Carlos go by Carluba on here or Carlos? Carlos goes by Carluba. He's a man of many names. Okay. Yeah. A man of many names. Well, <laughs> I haven't announced this. Whoa. Whoa. But actually, it's the first time it's even... I just texted Breaking him. news. Asking him if he'd do this. And he said, this is the best text I've ever received in my entire life. I asked him if he would be the Croqueta Santa Claus this holiday season and go deliver croquetas to different like stations and media outlets and random people. This is amazing. So I have a, I have a Croqueta Carlos story. So I, before I had moved back down to Miami, because I was living in Wisconsin for a while, for my mom's birthday, I had him pick up croquetas at Isla Canaria and take them to her by the falls. And he did this whole video. He, you know, he gets very proud of himself yes, when he comes yes. up with like a, a slogan, especially when the rhymes. The best. So he takes a video of himself and he knocks on her door and he go, when she answers, he goes, I hope you like fried ham because this is a croqueta gram. <laughs> <laughs> And that was one of the many never really got off the runway business ideas that we've had since oh we were like in gosh. the first grade. He comes up with so many things. We have way too much time at Amparo to like think of things. So I, one of my favorite jokes, and it's such a dad joke, and I love it, is that I'll walk in. I always wear like army pants when I'm working. Oh, and it'd be like, Eileen, really? You're not wearing pants today? I'm like, oh, <laughs> and it gets camo. me every you can't see time. So let's, um, let's talk about Eileen. Talking about Eileen, the cook and the chef, and how you got to where you are now. You know, I I love how much like you and I, the whole Cuban American thing, and how much we're we're out there and not scared to show that. Like that's like a big thing for me. I feel like a lot of people are always scared to like. I'm Cuban and I cook Cuban food, and I'm proud to cook Cuban food. You know, you have your touch on it. I obviously have mine, and it's. Awesome. So let's talk about it a little bit. 
I how you arrived. Like, yeah. Well, I feel going back to what you just said, I feel like that's changing a lot now. And I think it's all of us are really proud about being Cuban. And I think one of the people that are really putting that out there is Martha of Miami with all like her clothes and her sayings and all that stuff. Like now it's just become like Miami swag. Like Miami is, I don't want to say it's about being Cuban American because there's a bunch of other, um, you know, places that we represent. We are a melting pot, but you know, I just feel like right now at this moment, we are extremely proud and we are showing it through our food, through our fashion, um, stupid things like, well, not that it's stupid, but like stupid inter- Instagram posts that people do, like um, Only in Dade, that stuff. Um, Which is great. Yeah. No, I, I love Only in Dade. Um, they're always repping Ila Canales, so thank you. But like little things that I see on Instagram that I'm like, I love how proud we are now. I think back then people maybe were like, oh, you know, I'm kind of scared to make picadillo and rice uh, or whatever. I fucking love picadillo well, and rice. I, Me too. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with our age. You know, like the fact that, you know, maybe when our parents and our grandparents came here, they were trying to assimilate to the American culture. And our culture, if people our age didn't want to talk about it or do it, then it would essentially get lost because the island is lost. Correct. You know, like our culture is totally lost on the island. Um just because forcefully we couldn't be who we wanted to be for the last 50 years. So, you know, the, the fact that people are proud and the fact that people do want to talk about it and the fact that, you know, like, we're out there making picadillo. I mean, I remember um, I did, like, venison picadillo on my menu like a year ago. I did, like, you know, we do head cheese croquetas. We do, like, you know, stuff. And it's more expressionary of people that aren't scared to cook differently than like how our grandparents did or how our parents did. So, you know, I it's it's a pivotal time in our professional life um, and in our cultural life. Que too. sigue la tradición. Yes, absolutely. That, that. Well, and that's why I love Damparo so much and that story, um, you know, putting that story out there and the fact like, when you and I saw, we'll talk about that absolutely. Yeah. Let's go. Let's talk about how you became where you are now. So, uh, I actually studied fashion in college. Uh, I, I totally see that. Yeah. Do you? With I'm your wearing hats. like a, a backward, uh, sorry, like a plain black hat and a misfits shirt. And he's wearing a don't worry, be happy. We're literally opposite. He has a smiley face on his shirt and I have a skull. But anyways, I, uh, I love fashion, but I started working in it and I saw there was, there was no money. In Miami, we're not there yet. You know, if you're going to go, if you want to make money in fashion, you got to go to New York, you got to go to L.A. And I really, honestly, did not want to move. So I started doing styling with uh, this Puerto Rican dude. And this is actually a funny story. It's the second time I say it today. But uh, I was kind of sick and tired of working in the industry. And he's like, what do you want to do? I see you're not happy. And I'm like, honestly, I think I'm going to go work for my parents at the restaurant. He's like, tú vas a ir a hacer pan con bistec. And I go, I got so mad. And I said, ese pan con viste ha pagado por todo lo que yo tengo. Así que voy a ir a ese pan con viste. And he, uh, yeah, so I quit. And then I started working for my mom. And I haven't left the restaurant industry ever since. I started off 
making pastelitos and bocaditos in my mom's bakery. I moved up to working the counter, making coffee and taking people's orders, then manager. Then I was interested in working like the line. And uh, I had a Peruvian chef at the time and he's like, you want to, you sure you want to work? Like, I'm going to put you to work. Like, I know you're my boss, but I'm going to put you to work. So I uh, pretty much, he's the guy who taught me how to cook. And I fell in love with Peruvian cuisine. I already f had fallen in love with Cuban food because I used to cook alongside my grandma as a kid and my grandfather as well. And then I went to Korea a couple times and honestly, I was just like, these are my three favorite cuisines. I'm going to fucking put them together and see what happens. So that's how Finca was born. Became, yeah, Finca was born. Before that, I had a food truck and we did a lot of caterings and stuff. But uh, I think my proudest moment was for sure opening Finca and doing something as different as that, as Finca is in that area where it was much needed. Right. Well, I mean, and people, it's like a very, um, I had this conversation with a writer the other day. There's actually an article that we were both in talking about like um, Cuban chefs and food and whatever and um, and just talking about like how the evolution of Cuban food for us is scary because we don't know if the older generation is going to accept it. And at the same time, we want to be who we are. Right. And it's like, well, we still got to run a business, which is pivotal because we got to stay working and we still want to be who we are and we want to not only be who we are but like what is the next chapter in cuban food because it can't just be it can't just be that it's got to be more because we, we are growing and evolving as a culture now because you know we're here it's like in a different right place. i mean i feel like cuban food is what we knew growing up because right now they don't have the resources to right. evolve in cuba so i think that is traditional Cuban food is what we ate growing up now the thing is we are Cuban American and we're feeding people who want something different right the older people that come to my restaurant don't understand my menu and I get it and thankfully we have Ila Canaria across the street and I can say if you story. want it. <laughs> I got a great story before we continue so I took my dad to Amelia's for Father's that's Day that's right yep and my dad is just like an old grumpy I love him he's an old grumpy Cuban man that likes his steak like well done He wants rice. He wants beans. He wants the like, you know. So uh, I took him to Amelia's anyways, you know, and I was like, I, we, he, we're going to, he's going to get the nicer things in life and he's going to like it. So I remember you had the oxtail croquetas, right? Um, we had a couple other snacks. I think you had the KFC, no? The KFC? No, I had the KFC. Oh. And uh, he just had like the steak. Anyways, he was very reluctant. What, whatever was on the menu is, ah, you know, I don't know about this and that. I just want this. I was like, get, expand yourself, man. Let's try <laughs> something different. Thankfully, your server, like, he went to Ila and got beans, beans and brought it for him. Like, man, you shouldn't have done that. I'm trying to not do this. <laughs> But anyways, and you know what? He's like eating the steak. He ate the croquetas. We ordered a second round. Um, he ate all the other, like, snacks that we got. He had some of my food, and he's like, this is really good. I go, I know. I told you so. And he was like, but the beans, the beans is really where it's at. Like, you know it's fine. It's totally We fine. do that all the time. People come in, they're like, tienen crema malanga. Oh, man. And I'm like, no, but if like that's what you came in here for, I will go across the street to my parents' restaurant and bring it to you. Because at the end of the day, you already sat down. I'm not trying to tell you to get, you know, go fuck yourself. Like, yeah. 
I'm here to cater to whatever you want. But my menu is my menu, and I can't. I, I'm not gonna change. Like I haven't changed my menu since we opened. I, the people that come in, see the menu, and walk out, and they don't want to even like sit down and kind of give it a shot. There's nothing I can do about that. Um, and you're always gonna have those people. Always, and it's hard, because like for me, I don't work the line every day like I used to. But I mean, I remember the days that I would be on the line and I would see someone come in and look at the menu and leave, and I'd be like, yeah, "What did I do hurt. wrong? Yeah, it hurts. It hurts. What did I do wrong?" Did I do something wrong? Should I go talk to him? Like, what am I doing? But my dad, that, that day, and he had, such, he had such a good time. Like, your staff was incredible. The meal was great. We just, like, we had a great time. And he's a tough, tough guy. <laughs> like, especially with food. Because he's used to, like, almost like, you know, by the pound. You know, like, blue sky. Like, he wants, like, a mound of black beans. And he just... So, you know, that experience to me was perfect and it was exactly what i wanted i wanted him to have some nicer stuff and to experience something different and it still be cuban rooted but just different and he understood it and he was like oh, i was really good and server was amazing i told you after um just i just I, I feel like some people will find like we're butchering the traditional cuban cuisine but at the end of the day I am Cuban American, and I, I embrace that. Amen. And, you know, you're in Miami, and there's so many different cultures. You know how many Koreans I get in walking in to really? Amelia's, like vice versa. Koreans coming in eating Cuban food, or like my take on Cuban food, and they are like mind blown. So, you know, I I kind of hope people are open. Cubans are open to coming in and having the Korean fried chicken, or the bao buns with. Korean barbecue steak, you know, things like that, like Brussels sprouts, like which Cubans don't eat Brussels sprouts. They don't eat anything green. Yeah. Other than avocados. I was going to say that. (laughs) But I mean, that's, uh, it's an interesting journey for like all of us, you know, in um, Chugs, we did the pastelito thing and that's been, it's been a thing, right? Like me and Gio talk about it all the time because we're trying to bring that like seasonal local aspect to pastelitos and the one question we get every day is like can we get like a guava and cream cheese and the only and we can get local guava but the only reason we don't do it is because i want you to try the other stuff i want you to do the mame i want you to do the frita i want like it's just you the know frita the slop- bomb. thank you i the, love it the sloppy joe is also a situation the, like all the things you know it's a situation it's a situation the, the well, sloppy we had Joe's to situation. do that and this is probably going to sound like actually I had someone say that if I was a communist restaurant <laughs> we had to change the churrasco at finca to say under under the item no substitutions please because people were coming into finca and saying I want a churrasco with rice and beans and we have rice and beans but no I want you to have it how I prepared it on a bed of sweet potato with Asian chimney truffle green beans and fresh cilantro that's how I made it that's how I want you to try it and every time we've told people Unfortunately, you can't modify it. Like, this is how it comes. And they eat it. They eat the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, we had to do that. Because the first year was like, I was I was the expo for the first year. Imagine how many modifications, like oh. how many, how crazy I was going. Man. That I was like, screw this. I'm changing it on the menu. No substitutions. People were like, what if they're about to walk out? I'm like, if, they about, if they're about to walk out, then we grab a manager and we'll handle it from there. But people need to understand, like, I get it. Like, Traditional Cuban food is amazing, but we're not a traditional Cuban restaurant. Right. And that's why we have Islas Canarias. So you do, you can go there and have your traditional food. Finca is my version of 
Latin Asian fusion. And if you don't like it, I hate to say that because it's so. I'm not an asshole. Do it. Do but it. Do it. No, if you don't like it, like. Go somewhere else. Well, you know, so, I mean, you have like 500 other people that go there on a daily basis that they're not complaining about it. So you're totally fine. So I have a, I have a question related to that. And, and after I ask it, talk to him for camera purposes. But um, the two of you have a, some of that in common in that you're taking tradition and kind of fucking with it a little bit. How much do you think it's affected you that part of your story is your family And people know your family for that traditional stuff. Like, do you think that added a little bit of extra tension in trying to pull people? Because people may come to you because they say they hear, oh, the Ila Canaria people's daughter has a restaurant. Let's go there. And then they get there and it's like, whoa, this is, I'm sure you're already a few years past the point of people not knowing the story of the restaurant. But did you go through that of having to tell people, no, I'm not my family. I'm, this is a separate thing. The first year we did have uh, a couple of older people come in expecting And another Ilas Canaria. But we explained to them, you know, this is... Why would we make another Ilas Canaria 10 blocks away? You When know? that one's already so busy. <laughs> that one's <It> good. <laughs> no, no, no. This, I, this is Finca Town. Yeah. Finca Town. Finca Town. <laughs> uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't really something that I saw a lot of people walking out or anything like that. I just think... Um, It was more about giving it some time for people to be like, wow, it's been six months. They haven't closed. It's still busy. Maybe we should go try it out. Because I think that was everyone's thing was that's not going to last. I have this, this older gentleman that every time he sees me, he just looks at me. He goes to get coffee at Ila Canaria every day. And he looks at me. He just, this is all he says. You're a star. They thought you couldn't do it. Oof. They thought you were going to close. But you did it. New York, baby. That's all he says. <laughs> New York, baby. That's interesting. I don't want people to tell me New York, baby. Yes. I don't have a New York connection. I want to hear that all like, the time. Nice. He'll be like, see you in New York. I'm like, okay, all right. But like, that's all he says. Because it's true. In the beginning, all the old people were like, eh, eso no, eso no va a durar, eso va a estar ahí dos meses. Like, that's not going to survive two months. And we did it. And I think after people saw that we were still busy after a while, they're like, you know what? Let me, let me go check it out. And you just gotta, have to be open-minded. I got to give you like 100% credit because like, I've been very open about, for me, my personal journey was more difficult with identifying with my food. You know, like what was Ariette the day that it opens and what is Ariette today? It took me two years to figure that out. Like who I wanted to be as like a chef, as a cook, like I was scared to cook Cuban food because of the stigma that it carried and after a while it's like you know when we were doing like really poorly it was like you know you're either going to go down being who you are or you're going to go down being a fucking fraud so like that's why sitting here with you next to Ariette listening to this music and people in there eating that food like I feel super accomplished so like I got to give you 100% credit for just being who you are from day one because like for me it was super scary I think, well, there's a huge difference between you and I, and that's why when you call me chef, I feel so strange because I don't, I don't let my employees call me chef. And they're like, because when people start first week like chef, I'm like, no, Eileen. I'm Eileen. Don't call me chef. There's a difference. All I know is my bubble. Ila Canaria, which is where I was trained. My food truck, which is where I learned how to fix a fryer when you know, you got to do a catering gig for 200 people and you got to make it work and finca. You 
have a crazy resume. So you've seen so much more. So I feel like it was probably difficult for you because you had worked with different chefs. You had done different cuisines. Like I did what I knew. You know, I, it wasn't like, I was like, oh, I have all these ideas, but I'm going to stick to these. No, it was like, literally, these are my three ideas. I'm going to run with it. So No, but you should give yourself a little more credit than that. No, I, but it's, it's genuinely true. Like, that's why I, I don't like to be called chef because my res, my resume is my, is my mom is my boss. <laughs> like, you know, um, I did what I knew and thankfully it worked out and I love it. And I, that's why I'm going to stick to Latin Asian fusion probably for the rest of my life. And I won't go out of that bubble unless... I don't know. I travel somewhere and get super inspired, but that's what I like to cook. That's what I know, and that's what I'm going to stick to. Um, so that's my answer to that. No, I think I like. I've been to both restaurants. Well, Eli, I've been going like. I'm offended that you had the bibimbap at Why? Finca because it was delicious. I took, you know, I took it off the menu because I was so mad about it. Because <laughs> I because I did that dish for people who were about to get up. So really? you would, because it was rice, beans, vaca frita, veggies, kimchi, and a fried egg. And every modification was no kimchi. So we, you want you know a plate fu- of- You know what's funny about that? Because I love, like, rice, beans, and kimchi. It's, like, one of my favorite things to I eat, love, like, yeah. here. When we do brunch on the weekends, we do, like, like a complete, that kind of thing. So it's, like, rice, beans, roast pork, fried egg. That's how it chugs. No, we also do it here. here? Yeah, yeah. Um, just for brunch. And... I'll just put a little kimchi on top. I love like fried egg, kimchi, and rice. To me, is like the best. When I worked at Cyprus, me and Roel would cook that all the time in the morning. Just like white rice, like toasted garlic, a little kimchi, and a fried egg on top. And that's it's delicious. It's but that's comforting. why I ordered that dish because it was delicious. I know, but well, it's just you know, it's only available on Uber Eats because <laughs> <laughs> it's low cost and they take thirty percent. We should oh, talk about that. Uber Eats. We already did. So let's. Let's talk about how... Um, and my friend works for Uber Eats, so, you know, I have to be nice about it, but... It's, o- it's, o- it's, it's, fucked it's up. okay to disagree with your friends. We have plenty of friends that are influencers that no, I disagree she, with I all mean, the time, and that work for she Yelp. She understands. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And that Deandra, work for you. Yes. That she interviewed me today, that's did why. She? Yeah. Oh, that's why I said, I, I said the story twice today, because she interviewed me today. Yeah. That was interesting. For Latinx month, I was like, what is this? I'm like, okay, but I'll go with it. It's fine. Um... Yeah, the talk about like I had known you for a while, but I had never like really known you. Like we had never really spoken, and then um, New York happened. Like what? It was a year and a half ago, probably. Two years. Was it two years I already? Think so, so the Ampado experience, which I guess we'll dive into a little bit more. Um, basically, the story of um, the family that created Havana Club and Bacardi. <laughs> I know you can't I mean it's one of a kind um, and Bacardi and Havana Club basically put on an interactive uh, theater experience and I refused to go to go to the one in Miami for reasons I won't talk about on air um, but I wanted to go so I went to the one in New York and that was the first time that we were we ever like hung out and the whole like Cuban experience to me is very like it's an emotional conversation for me and I remember we were both on the same because you know what they do is they give you like five or six different trails that you go on so you can go to the thing five times and have a different experience five different ways so you and I were in the same trail and like not even four minutes in we're both bawling like tears of just like this is too much for us and I remember like yesterday that I was like I don't know if I'm gonna make it through this 
And I look over at you and I'm like, I don't know if she's going to make it through this year. <laughs> and since then, I was like, we should be friends. And then we spoke more and uh, we actually hung out that whole night. Yeah. yeah. Went to Blacktail. And, yeah. But that was like a super, that whole experience to me, um, the Ampato experience, period, is something that really makes you think about our culture in a whole different way. Like how we lost so much. And then anyways, um, you know, we hung out. I went to Amelia's and we talked shop. We talked about Uber Eats and how much we don't like them. <laughs> and uh, I went to Finca and we just hung out more. And it's been great to get to know you on a professional level and personal. Because I think our missions are very similar. Yes. Which is, I don't know, like representing our culture and who we are and what we do. Elevating, I don't know. I don't want to say elevating our our cuisine because it doesn't need elevation because it's fucking amazing. But we're getting our core flavors that we love, that we grew up eating, and we're putting our own twist and we're representing like what we know as Cuban cuisine. It, and it's, it's Cuban Have you food. been to Cuba? No. I Neither have, have I. So that's why when I, people say... I. When I say I feel more Cuban than American, they're like, oh, so you've been to Cuba? I'm like, no, I no. haven't. I haven't for political reasons. I, I, I mean, if my mom left at 12 years old and has not been back and right. that was her country, who am I to go there and have a great grand old time as a tourist? And oh, no, but, it, but it's, still, it's, it's so, like, unrealistic because the way I think about it, I'm going to go... And Nick, you could jump in here because, you know, you've, you've been. So have a totally fake experience than what our people yep. right. really like. An experience that the government wants to give you this facade of what's happening there. And in reality, people right. are fucking yep. starving. Right. But, you know, they're walking you around. Hey! They're walking you around. Mean, okay. I like that shirt, huh? This is a super you cool shirt, great. bro. It's Casey, everyone. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> All right. Give it up for Casey. Yeah. Um... <laughs> You know, the government wants you to think that everything's fine. And on the same hand, you have like people starving and no food. And it's like, you know, and, and I always, I refer back to that one like uh, Cuba culinary trip that all these chefs were going. And I was like, well, it's fucked up. And yeah. I, honestly, this, this funny story, this was like my second month working for Michael Schwartz. And I was like a nobody. I was a sous chef or whatever. And um, that's when I first met you. Oh, yeah. Because you, Cause you knew my, Chris. Right. Because I knew Chris. Chris Hughesby. That was actually on the show. You could refer back to episode right. three. That's right. Three and four of three Chris Hughesby. Because yeah. Yeah. my brother Health, knew Health, wellness, him, and cannabis. Well, me and your brother, brother went to high school no, together. No, it was my brother introduced me to you, actually. Well, because I've known your brother. Cyprus. Is that what you were talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I met you at Cyprus. Uh, that was like my shit. That bar, I would go by myself. Have a hibiki, neat. Just sit there by myself and have the frog legs. That was my jam. Oh, when you guys closed, good, I was so sad. What a good restaurant. Oh. I was really sad. But that, it was like my, my second month working for him. And I don't remember. I tweeted something just like fucking chastising all these fucking chefs for going there. And it ended up in the paper. <laughs> all nice. I remember is getting a text like, can you come to my office, please? And I'm like, what is this about? And then he shows me and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to take it back. And he was like, okay. All right. So there's that. Yeah. So then there's that. So you brought you brought. I mean, not to jump, but you you brought up my Cuban yeah. Yes. Experience. Yes. Yes. So I, I, I was not. I was. I am in the same place that you're in. Of not even not necessarily who am I? For me, it's not so much a who am I, right? It's more a how am I going to go and do that, and then come back home and sleep okay. 
you know, for me, like, so in college, uh, I became very involved with a group called Roots of Hope. Um, and the opportunity presented itself to go to Cuba and do super subversive shit. Uh, and so at that, like, for me, the calculus was always, I will go to Cuba if I can leave feeling like I took more from them than I left. Them being the government, obviously. So I fucking love that. I want to. I want to make them not want to let me in. And well, they I, didn't. The fourth. The fourth <laughs> time around, they turned me around and sent me back to Mexico. Wow. Uh, so I was going on uh, at the time. You needed a license specific to your trip, rather than going and then having your travel fit under one of the twelve approved categories. You needed a, a license specific to one of those categories. I was traveling on democracy promotion licenses, and that's the one category that you don't just show up and be like, "Here's what I'm here for." Uh, so I would go through Cancun and do the papelazo as if I was just a tourist breaking embargo law. I'd pack a lot of uh, bathing suits and condoms and, <laughs> you know, and just have like do as much as I could to make it look like I'm just here to tan and screw. Neither of which is a thing I do a whole lot of. Really. <laughs> oh, uh, <man. laughs> so, Make the sound guy, everyone. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, the, the fourth time around, they turned me around. But I'm with you. I mean, I, I, I don't. To me, you know, I, I think it's one thing if it's, you know, I, I don't know who goes on the culinary trips. This, this podcast kind of died down. Yeah, this podcast yeah. experience, though, is like my first, you know, my, my deepest connection to the food world in Miami. Welcome. Uh, right, there you go. So, but even like when I was in Wisconsin, for example, I became close to a guy who would organize trips for the University of Wisconsin Alumni Association. And I always saw those trips and I felt like it, it would upset me a little bit. Because it was like, okay, all these Wisconsinites are going to Cuba and they'll get presentations from some University of Havana economist on economics. It's like, wh why, why are you going over there to learn about economics from, from a government Fork. economist in Cuba, of all places? But it's like, you know what? You don't know any better. What drives me nuts is like, I know people who go to the Amparo Experience And then the next day, and by the way, the opinions expressed here are just mine, right? I don't. But go to the Apato Experience, and then the next day are celebrating a birthday with Cuban Havana Club. It's like, no, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Like, this, or, or, or smoking Cohibas. Like, Cohiba was a brand created by Fidel Castro. Like, you're not even pretending that this is like a legacy thing from Cuba. Like, and then never mind the people whose parents were born in Cuba. They go back to Cuba and tell you how Cuban they are because they've been to Cuba. And I know for a fact, I know people that they've been, and I'm not going to name names here, but these are people we all know that I've never told either of you these stories. But I know people that we all know who've gone to Cuba and paid for sex in Cuba. It's like, get the fuck out of here. So I'm on completely the same, same wavelength as you. Like, there is, there is a way to go and to not go. The I'm gentleman's not, trips to I, Cuba. Yeah, I'm, I'm not on I, the I'll, never, I'll never forget that. Like, when I remember somebody told me that, I'm like, you, are, you should be fucking ashamed that you even told me that. You're a colossal fucking piece of shit. And it's just, people just, they don't, they don't fucking get it, right? Like, they don't get it. Like, we, that's why I think the conversation of Cuban food and, like, keeping our culture alive is so important because food is something that no matter what, everyone, everyone's into it, right? So if we can keep the conversation alive by feeding people, I think it's fucking pivotal. Like, it, it's, not only is it pivotal, then maybe it would It just creates a question in their mind for maybe them to dive a little deeper into why we're doing this. Like, Chugs is a, I love Chugs and it's a very fun concept, but a lot of that is like deep rooted culture for me. Like, 
It's my grandmother's black bean recipe. Like, that's huge. That's like a big fucking deal. And the fact that I want that to live, like, as long as I can. Like, I want to keep it around forever. Because that's how she was taught to make black beans fucking a million years ago. Like, so food is an easy medium to get to people. Other than, like, Nick, which is a little more provocative when you talk to Nick about Cuba, <laughs> which is fine, and I love that. You know, it's... It's more of an easier conversation starter. Does it make sense? Well, and, right. And this is the last uh, for until you prompt me to jump back in. But I've offered you this praise, and I'll offer both of you the same thing. You know, I I, I always think of uh, for people who don't know, I'm the senior editor at Cigar Snob Magazine. Our art director has been in the country. Shameless for, plug right there. Yeah, for, <laughs> our art director got here from Cuba six or seven years ago, uh, and I do a lot of travel stories with him. He does a lot of photography and the page layout and all the rest. Um, and invariably, when people hear his accent, they'll ask where he's from, they'll say he's from Cuba. Oh, I've been dying to go to Cuba. I want to go. And among the things they want to do is eat Cuban food. And that's where he informs them that not only was the all of his favorite Cuban dishes he had for the first time after leaving Cuba at 26 years old. <laughs> that's fucking He had wild. never had una gorgueta para barra. He'd never had it. Not only that, but he had been arrested for transporting legally purchased cow bones from his dad's house to his grandmother's oh, house yeah. so she could make un cardo. Yeah. So, I mean, not to be hyperbolic about it, but the two of you are doing God's work, right? Thanks. Because there, there is a, pe- people will see you fucking with this stuff, but it's keeping it relevant. And it's not, and you know, I, I've made this point before of the thing that makes, forget all the politics, the thing that makes Cuban food unique is that Cubans in the U.S. don't have people back home who are able to preserve that. Mexicans here are making Mexican food because they like it, but it's not going to die if Mexican food doesn't exist here. Mexico is still making Mexican food. Right. Right. Cubans exactly. do not have Cuban food. Right. That is dead. And it lives here because of people like you, and people aren't getting bored of it, especially because of people like the two of you. I That's right. You got your, your twists on it, so they don't right. get bored of right, it. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, same. I actually, the, uh, this cookbook called Cuba, the cookbook, um, asked me to to submit some recipes. That's amazing. And well, listen, not that amazing. Oh, I yeah, submitted. Yeah, relax, uh, I'm I submitted some recipes, and they were twists. And at, they were at the end of the cookbook because the beginning part was all traditional, and I say traditional with finger quotes, um, traditional recipes, and um, whatever. I submitted. The person who wrote the book couldn't go to the like the launch of it at Books and Books, so they asked me. Um, I forget who else. I don't think anyone else from Miami actually submitted any any recipes, but they asked me to go to the signing and whatever. Cool. I'm kind of like the host, and I had never looked through the cookbook. Oh, like man. I never did my research. I thought Cuba the cookbook. Cool. I'm gonna be in a cookbook. Yeah, awesome. It was like beautiful, whatever. So I'm sitting down before my interview. And the lady who interviewed, who was going to interview me, I know her, so I told her, don't ask me anything about politics and just keep it very broad. I just looked at the book five minutes ago, and there's a picture of Che Guevara, and I'm really upset right now. So just ask me about me. Picture me about how? My, I'm sorry? A picture how? Like in like, what sense? A, like a picture of street art with Che Guevara, which, okay, that's a part of Cuba now. Cool. But I'm very sensitive to that. So I was livid. And I actually had a lady buy two books that day. I signed it for her. 
she went to Amelia's the next day or two days after and goes, have you looked through that cookbook? And I was like, uh, I already know where you're going with that. I'm like, I looked at it five minutes before that interview that you saw me at. And she goes, I went and returned them the next day. Really? Yeah. Number one, the recipes are not traditional Cuban food. They were like, I guess, what Cubans are eating there now, which is like not traditional Cuban food because there are no resources. And there was kind of like some politics involved in the book. And she's like, I went and I returned it and they took it back, even with your, like, you having written it, written in it and everything, um, because I was so adamant about how upset I was. And she's like, and I know that you did not know based on, because there was like an audience questionnaire thing and the guy asked me, have you ever been to Cuba? And I said, absolutely not. And he said, well, why? Then how would you know what Cuban food tastes like? And then I said, I'm not going to answer that. And she's like, I know, I knew that you didn't know how, that book was probably written by a communist because of your answer. So that cookbook is sitting on like under my bed. I am not showcasing that. I am so embarrassed. Now, whenever anyone asks me for stuff, I do my research because I was so embarrassed. And my mom was like, oh, crap. Like, this is not, this is not good. Yeah. And you're the only Miami chef in that book. Which is interesting, right? That they, you were the only Miami because chef. Because maybe the I'm the only idiot that said yes. I don't know. I, I, don't, didn't, I really didn't do my research. And I, who I wrote the book? I, I don't even remember. I don't wow. even remember. I, I'm telling you that I looked at it five minutes before. I saw that, and I don't even think I've looked back at it. So if I had to say one of my lowest points, <laughs> that would be it, because I really don't want to be, um, I don't know, associated with that. And the recipes are shit. Like, you look through it, and I'm like, where is what, like, my grandma made me growing up? Absolutely nothing of what I ate growing up as a kid is in that book. What's your favorite thing from growing up? Fricasse de pollo. Oh, interesting. Great minds. What about uh, so, you, Nick? Fricasse de pollo. Really? Fricasse de pollo and my mom's palomilla. But, but I don't order palomilla anywhere. And my mom's bagafrita because she goes Oof. she goes all out with the shredding. Like it's yeah. a it's a beef <laughs> it's a beef brillo pad. I love that shit. I don't like when they bring you like uh you know like when rugs have little tassels on the end and that's yeah. somebody's bagafrita. Not into that. But this is like like it'll cut your mouth. Awesome. I, uh, Raul Encendio, my favorite, my grandfather, even now for my birthday, cooks for me every year, and Camarón Enchilado. I love Camarón. So, if I had to pick, like, one grandma, Abuelita Pura, made me arroz con salchicha. That was my thing. Oh, man. Then my other grandma, Amelia, made me fricase de pollo. My grandfather made me masita de puerco. And I eat Canaria, I would either eat cordero, which is kind of random, or Camarón Enchilado. Oh, man. You know, there's a dish at Chugs that's just called um, Chef's Breakfast. And it's, it's literally like when I would sleep in my grandparents' house, it's what my abuela would make me every morning, which was just was one of two things. It's either just white rice with fried egg on top and then just a bottle of ketchup. <laughs> I was like the move. Or like this makeshift, makeshift tortilla. It's just like that they're really flat. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and like the onions and then a cafe con leche and ketchup so it was like always a move related question how many of your favorites are because they were also your parents favorites or your grandparents favorite? like did you inherit the favorites from anybody no my parents were working all the time my grandparents raised me so actually my mom's never really cooked for me i mean when we were kids i'm sure she did but i don't have like a vivid mem memory of my mom cooking for me and my dad same like my parents literally wouldn't come home till two or three in the morning 
So I barely spent time with them until I was like probably 14 or 15 years old. It was just my grandparents. I, they raised me pretty much. And then here's another question. Because you and I, so I, my family also had a restaurant when I was growing up, but it closed like in the late 90s, mid 90s. Did you have like, okay, Cuban food overload, we need to escape from Cuban food. Was there, were there dishes that you remember like, oh yeah, this was a very atypical Cuban household thing that we did because we were eating Cuban all the time because we had this restaurant. So something, you're saying something that wasn't Cuban because, right. um, crema de broccoli. Okay. I'm like, I don't know. We always ate Cuban food. Okay. So. <laughs> or, or, or. My mom, you know, it was really fucked up, mom, if you're listening. I don't think you're going to listen to oh, this, shit. but if you are, it's really fucked up. Growing up, my mom would make me, like, tofu scrambled, and I thought it was scrambled eggs my entire life oh, until wow. I found out later that it was tofu. That's interesting. So do you, yeah. did you end up liking tofu more than Yeah, I love tofu, but, I mean, it's not something that I'm like, ooh, I'm craving tofu today because it doesn't really taste like anything. Um, but, yeah, I used to, every morning, like on the weekends, my mom would make me like a tofu scramble. So I guess then is when my mom would cook for me, like Saturday or Sunday mornings. Like for me, it was also Carvel ice cream cake because my, my godmother is uh, Lucila. Lucila of Lucila. Lucila. The famous Lucila. And anytime she and my uncle Andres were out of town, I was like, nobody tell them we're not going to Sweetheart. We're getting a fucking ice cream cake. Yeah. I love, I mean, that's like very Miami. You know, when yeah. you're talking about Carvel ice cream cake, that means you know you grew up here. Yeah. Any, I, anytime people find out Baskin I'm related Robbins to her. was my jam. Yeah. Anytime people find out I'm related to her, the questions are always about the Lucy and Eda beef. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's always the question. So what's the beef? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know shit. And if I did, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the highlights of your career? Highlights. I know you talked about opening... Finca as a highlight. I guess um, most recent would be opening Amelia's. Even though my co- my idea with Amelia's was to open something completely completely opposite as far as the vibe goes. Um, with Amelia's, I wanted to make something that was more quaint, somewhere you go for date night, somewhere you bring to meet the parents or your you know your girlfriend your boyfriend meets the parents that kind of th- vibe. And Kendall, apparently they don't go on dates. People don't go on dates in Kendall because people leave because we don't have tables big enough to fit 10, 20, 15 people. Oh, yeah. So what we're doing in December, we got uh, the dry cleaners next door to Amelia's and we're expanding. Cool. I don't understand. I literally was breaking my head last week thinking like, why is it that Kendall people don't go on dates? Because that has to be the only thing. Like Finca, all our tables... Our two tops, we only have like eight. And there's 230 seats in there. We only have eight two tops in there. Wow. Everything else, four, five, six. We have 12 tops. Like, we had a group of 40 walk in recently. Like, How do, who does that? I have no idea. Of 40. I have no idea. But Is it for like a birthday or something? Or just, it oh, was it like matter. after like, a Belen, oh, gonna, not, oh, a Belen thing that all the parents left the kids in Of course it would be. It was all the parents Animals. came while the kids were at Tombola or something. I don't know. Tombola. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, you're because you're also in Belen Town. I'm in Belen Town. You, you were on the We're gonna fight for that, for that title. Yeah, yeah. No, it's Finca Town, Finca Town. We won't call it. That. No, no, that's so, why I said on the border. We want people they're, to go. They're we adjacent. Want to... They border each other. Yeah, yeah. So I, here I am thinking I'm gonna bring this little cute quaint spot and like whatever. We're not gonna make a lot of money, but I'm providing something for the area. It'll be more like wine driven. Monday night, I'm working. I wa- I'm walking by a table and I hear, ah, let me get two shots of uh, tequila. And I'm like, oh crap! I gotta tell these people we don't have a hard liquor license. All right, cool. They're like, what? This is not like Finca? Like, you guys don't have... And I'm like, oh, why? Why? Like, why can't we have something else that's not like Finca? Not 
for big parties, not loud. You know, we're trying to cater to a different audience. So what do we do? We listen to the people, and now we're going to have 150 seats, a full bar, and big tables. Because I love Amelia's as it is. I'm sure I'm going to love the next generation too. But well, I, We're going to keep it two separate rooms. So if you want one vibe on one side, the other vibe when, on the When other I side. went to Amelia's, I was like, I love this place. Like I could be here all the time. You're a little far from me. but yeah. I'm going to speculate here on like why Kendall is that way. And really, you're not in, you're not in Kendall. You're West in something King. else. Uh, yeah. Unincorporated Dave. <laughs> well, you're in Finkadown. So, but I think maybe part of it is that unlike places like the Grove or, you know, your design, that you don't have a lot of foot traffic or people on bicycles. Yeah. So when you go out to eat, it's already, I don't want to say it's a production, but you're already going to be in your car for a little bit. So you kind of figure like, okay, I only do this every so often. Let's squeeze as much juice out of this experience as we can. Let's get together everybody who's willing to drive to this one place. And maybe that's part of it. I guess. Um, I just, with our demographic that's moving into that area right now, which is like young adults or people that are about to start their families and want to buy a $500,000 home that's obviously on an acre with a pool instead of spending $500,000 on an apartment. Townhouse. And, uh, our yeah. Salina, Kansas audience <laughs> just had their minds blown by yeah. the prices of real <laughs> Sorry, estate. Guys. So I, I assume that these young adults would like to go on nice dates, but you know, in Finkatown, people like to get ratchet with like 10 people, take shots and be loud. So. <laughs> Finkatown's so ratchet. <laughs> so I remember you did a dinner with Maddie Madison, right? I did. That was quite the interesting dynamic. Yeah. Talk about you at 4'11 and Maddie Madison the size that he is. Who, who's that for our Salina audience? Tell, tell uh, the people. He's who. a Canadian chef. Yeah. Uh, he's hilarious. He has an from like, yeah, like from head to toe because he to has toes, like yeah, he has yeah. He has, he has a show on Vice, right? Yeah. Um, what is it? Supper time? I think I believe I believe it's called. He's starting a new show. He posted today, but he's just like hilarious, tattooed, uh, sober, uh, crazy chef, yeah. but like the nicest teddy bear kind of guy. Um, he has an interesting story. He used to be like wild, do a lot of drugs, drink a lot. He was in the punk scene. I think he was a musician at one moment, and then his life was just going downhill. So he decided to change. Um, and he had, when I worked with him, um, we did a Bacardi, actually that's another interesting story. We did a, a Bacardi pop-up for three days. I did most of the cooking. He was kind of just like the face to get the people in there. And I walk into the space. First thing I see pictures of Che Guevara on the wall. Oh, you told me this story. And I told I the girl, I'm like, if you want me to cook tonight, you're going to take that down. And she's like, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, we, I mean, I don't even know who that is. I'm like, exactly. Take it exactly. down. Exactly. Take it part down. of the problem. Canadians really, honestly, when you go, I don't know about now, but when you go into the airport, the little carts where you put your luggage on say Viva Cuba. Because yeah. the tourism, that's, a lot of the tourism in Cuba is coming from Canada. So, I mean, I get it. They don't know. But I was like, if you want me, like, if you're going to take pictures of me in this place, like, you better take that down. Not to, I keep in it whenever Cuba comes no, up. No, yeah, <laughs> interject, Nick. Get but in there. There's, there's a, I can't remember the name of the restaurant, and I wouldn't want to put them out there by name on your thing anyway. But there is a restaurant in Washington, D.C. that was opened by a Cuban, whether he was born here or born there, I don't know. And the whole thing is like, you know, the place is supposed to mimic the aesthetic of, of Cuba. Think like uh, Does it start, Cafe La Trova. Does it start with a C and the second word starts with an L? I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember. But Just it's, let it's, it it's out, a new man. DC. Cuba, Cuba Libre? Maybe. It's a new, D, it's a new DC restaurant. And they have How a, new? 
Like inside of the last six months. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Uh, but yeah, What's the name? I, no, I, honestly, I <laughs> I'm going to look it up I now because I'm pissed. No, it's it's a new DC story. restaurant that's Tell like been written story. up and shit. And they have Che Guevara imagery as well as Celia Cruz imagery. And it's like, listen, oh, if, you're you're ignorant, if, if you're an fuck. ignorant Canadian, knock yourself out. I will forgive you. That's okay. Like, I, whatever. You don't know. But come on. Get out of here. And then when he's interviewed and he's asked about it because he's been asked about this on the record, he says, oh, I'm not, just try- I'm not trying to make a political statement. I'm just trying to, you know, recreate. But you are. It's like, you're you're pulling politics. You're, fucking, you can't you're being put a, a fucking pussy. I'm sorry. And, that's, and, and I'm sorry. If you have even five minutes of exposure to the Cuba issue, everything Cuba is political. Croquetas are political. The fact that croquetas are made here in a way they cannot be made in Cuba, it's a political act to make anything Cuban. I don't care what your opinions, it just is. To make a thing that is banned in another place and to feel like, no, it is. So that drives me nuts. That's That guy is in the category of I went to Amparo and I drink a club from Cuba. <laughs> I want to know I who this guy wait, is now. I do want to say, if you guys ever do come to my house, my top shelf of my bar is all Cuban Havana Club. Not because I purchased it, but because sure. all my employees that are Cuban that travel back to Cuba bring it to me as a yeah, gift. Yeah, I'm actually the same way. To, my, my, my girlfriend's always like, what are you going to do with all this? I'm like, I don't, I can't open it. Like, yeah. so, Being in the cigar industry, I have the same issue with Cuban cigars. People will offer it to me. And about a month ago, I had an experience that took me to the place of, you know what? I used to accept them just out of politeness. Like, okay, but yeah, I have smoked my last Cuban cigar. I have accepted my last Cuban cigar as a gift because I, I just can't anymore. And when the mics are off, I'll, you know, I'll tell but, you about okay, it. Okay, so Cohiba is made in Cuba? So, because I don't know. Because now I feel bad because I've smoked. Cute. We could do. We could do a little. We could do a little side segment here. Yeah. I like this. You we'll know, do a little side segment. This is a bonus, bonus content with Nick. Because I I've smoked Guayabas and I, I mean okay. I know that they're made. In, it's like drinking, I guess, Havana Club. So that comes from Cuba. So it depends but, on the Cohiba you had. Okay. The same as Romeo y Julieta. Because I have Trinidad. a Cohiba that's from. Could it be Nicaragua? The, the Dominican Republic. Dominican Republic. So okay. okay. So here's the thing: is there are two companies, and they are two of the biggest cigar manufacturers that make cigars and they use like legacy Cuban names. One of them is General Cigar and they have no connection to Cuba whatsoever. The other is Altadis, which Altadis USA broke off from Altadis in Spain to create this separate company so that they could make these cigars and market them in the U.S. So it's very similar to the situation you have with Pernod Ricard and Havana Club in the case of Altadis. Uh, so it depends on the Cohiba you smoked. Okay. But Cohiba, no, I've smoked Cuban ones, but I have one at home currently that someone gave me that's, I guess, from the Dominican but Republic. The, right. So if it's that Cohiba with the red filled O at the beginning of Cohiba, then it's a Dominican. Okay. Cohiba with the Indian head silhouette is Cuban. Cuban. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, but either way, and I get it because I, I, this is not to me to like get on a high. I, I think it's one of those things that like you struggle with. It's part of the struggle of, of having that in your history. Of like, what do I do with this? Because I'm also surrounded by people. You know, we're all surrounded by people who have maybe slightly different attitudes or different levels of awareness. I only got here a month ago where I got to the point of like, no, that's it. I'm, if somebody offers me a Cuban cigar as a gift, I'm just going to say, no, dude, I'm sorry. I, I'm not going to smoke it. I'm not going to accept it. It's staying here at your house. I, I will not smoke a cigar before I smoke that cigar because it, it, it makes it okay to me. This right. is just my own right. personal thing. Like, either that or I'm going to smoke my cigar while I lecture you 
from <laughs> the beginning to the end of the cigar. That's, right. Those are your two options, maybe. It's really about educating um, educating people. We had uh, Gio from Havana Club come to Finca and do a whole class because I, I, we were about to start doing Amparo, and I was like, I want everyone to be informed as to why there's a difference. If guests ask, you know, what, what is the difference between this Havana Club and the one in Cuba, I want everyone to be informed. So he came and did a class, and one of the bartenders jumps at him, and he's like, well... Just because the one you don't like the one in Cuba doesn't mean it's fake. And then Gio went into his whole rant as to why, and that's a whole other topic. Yeah. But it's funny because after he went through the Amparo experience, he's my head bartender. At, as I do the beverage program, when you come out of the show, he's my head bartender. And that guy was a bartender in Cuba three years ago. Yeah, uh, He was my... Uh, how do you say, Naranjero, the guy who would bring my oranges every morning. He asked me for a job. We gave him a job. We hired him at Finca, and now he's my head bartender at Amparo Serving Havana Club that is made in Puerto Rico with the original recipe. Yeah. And it's about, that's why it's very important to educate people, not offend them, but just show right. them the facts. Yeah, and, and that's I think that's part of the struggle, too, is that people who take a certain position on the Cuba issue, especially if you're Cuban-American or whatever, you're you're in a minority sometimes even among people who share that heritage with you and so there's this sense of like uh, when when do i pipe up when am i being obnoxious when am i when am i being that asshole who's like talking politics at the party but it's like well if the party is pouring me communist rum <laughs> what do you want me to do you know um but yeah it's uh it, it's it's a difficult thing to to grapple with and you know you don't want to be the the wet blanket right. on the party, but right. but at the same time, like there some things are bigger than the party. There's a time and place. You're not gonna change everybody, but there's a time and place to, you know, give your two cents and make them think. I'll, I'll tell a, a little story here. There's a guy named Frank Baruti, who I think is a super nice dude. Uh, he makes his living uh, buying. A, he's he's basically a Cuban rum and cigar broker, and a lot of what he does is he sells uh, pre-embargo. Cuban cigars, uh, and sometimes pre-embargo Cuban rum. Uh, one of my favorite experiences with like, aha, you see, these guys are assholes, was he had just gotten here from Cuba, uh, and he had gone to the distillery that makes Matusalem, uh, Matusalem, which is a, a Cuban rum, uh, and he was all excited before we went into dinner at 27. Uh, he wanted to take swigs from this limited edition hand-numbered bottle, whatever, for, in the parking lot of 27 or across the street from 27. And so he brings out this bottle and he, you know, dark green tinted bottle as a lot of uh, spirits brands tend to be. Uh, and he hands it to uh, Ivan Ocampo, who's with the magazine, with Cigar Snub. We were working on a travel story about Miami Beach. And uh, Ivan takes a swig and he hands it to me like, Nick, this tastes kind of weird. So I take a swing, like, I, this is not normal. You know, Frank, what, is, is something wrong with this bottle? And I hand it to Frank, because it's like in your head, you're not thinking this is what's going to happen. So Frank takes a swig, and he spits it all out on the asphalt of the parking lot at 27. He turns the bottle upside down. These people at a distillery in Cuba had hand-numbered a bottle of Cuban tap water. Wow. And then had sold it to this guy. <laughs> That is awesome. That's karma for you. There you go. Yeah. So it's like you, you, these people are not to be trusted on top of everything. Whatever your thoughts are on the politics, these people are not they are not people of good faith. And if anybody in the U.S. or in any other country was doing that, 
people would write them off. No, these people are shysters, don't buy their product. Somehow the Cubans get away with it because there's that allure of the forbidden shit. It's also because it's a tiny island in the Caribbean. Yeah, but so is, so is Puerto Rico. And if Puerto Ricans were hand-numbering tap water, there would be like, you know, Consumer Protection Bureau advisories about it. That's a good shit, point. You know? Yeah. I want to know the name of this restaurant. I'm going to research it tonight. I'll soon. look it up. Yeah, look it up. Look it up. Look it up. We'll put them on blast. I'm going to put them on, on the blast. next episode of. Next episode. Or just later tonight on Twitter. No, you can no, find you guys are talking. I will. I'll, when we do our shameless plugs, I will shamelessly put them on blast. So what's next? Where do you see yourself? I mean, I know you talked about the expansion of Amelia's, you know, and I know you and I spoke about it a little bit. When we had coffee at Amelia's too, like, what, where where do you want to go from here? I mean, we're still young. We're yeah. 30 and 34. I don't know. I kind of want to stay in my bubble and and kind of just create a community where we have different concepts that if you're feeling like you want to just grab a drink, which I guess that would lead to my next concept. I, I had this concept in my head um, with my ex-fiance, actually, Um we came up with a really cool cocktail bar concept. And I'm still paying for, for the name because I think it's a dope-ass name and I, I, I think it'll be a really cool concept in that area. So I, I think that'll be the next step, opening up a cocktail bar. That's where the money's at, honestly. Um, we don't have a cocktail bar. Actually, my current girlfriend is doing a business plan um, and she's doing it like for school, you know, so she has to make a fictitious business and kind of come up with a business plan and she's doing a cocktail bar because she knows that's kind of what I want to do and she kind of wants to do it as well and I said you know the first thing you should do is google how many like when where's the nearest cocktail bar and like in this five mile radius if there is any and she was doing it today before I came over here and she's like I think the only place is Eddie's and if you're from Miami and you're from West Kendall and you know Eddie's you're grimy as hell I don't know Eddie's. Okay. And I've, like, I'm, Miami, I'm as Miami as it gets. Someone described it to me as, like, you know when you're walking into, like, a sketchy shopping center and then the sign's going, like, zzz, zzz, Oh, I like that. Zzz, like, that's it's my Ed, kind like of it's place. missing one of the lights and it's, zzz, you know? That's Eddie's. It's just a grimy spot. Where is where it? It is on 8th Street and, like, 127th. Really? In the shopping center where Wajitos is by Belen, right by Belen. Exactly. I know. I spent a lot that, of time there. I, that I don't is know Eddie. I don't know Eddie. I don't know. The only cocktail bar within, I think, five, just cocktail bar. I'm not talking about a restaurant. Are we going to call it a cocktail bar or is it just a bar? Okay, a bar. Okay. A Grammy bar. <laughs> right. It's like a couple notches under Club Deuce, so you know Ooh, where. But the Deuce is, that's a high end. That's what I, <laughs> That's a high end, low end bar. Right, like exactly. when you say, I'm going to the Deuce, like, wow, you're really treating yourself. To you're going to the Deuce. <laughs> so, I don't so, know. Talking about cocktail bars, that when we were in New York, Blacktail to me still is like one of my. Okay, I'm gonna change your mind. Go back to Blacktail and open up their menu and start looking through it. The oh, last yeah? page is written by Fidel Castro's daughter. Wow. I don't know why this happens to me that I find all these things, and it's not like I was intentionally looking for it. Their menus are they're essentially books you can purchase their menus. Yeah, they're it's uh, it's detailed. like a graphic novel. Right. It's like um, Walking Dead. You right. know, like it's all like cartoon and whatever. So, so they sell them for 50 bucks. Yeah, they're super expensive. But I'm like looking through it, whatever. And I got to the last page and it's, I forget what it said because I just, the first thing I did was look at who wrote it and it, I don't remember her name, but Fidel Castro's daughter wrote it. And I was like, and I asked the server and I go, has anyone brought up that, you know, you have Fidel Castro's daughter writing in this book? No, not really. I'm like, damn, man, you guys don't get a lot of Cubans in here. Like, No, they don't. 
But you know, the people that own it aren't Cuban. Right, they're Irish, right? They're Irish. Yeah. They're Irish. So I can... Like, it's like almost like I can forgive them, but I, I can't. If you're opening a Cuban bar, do your fucking Oh, but research. the best Cuban bar right now is Trova. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Julio is... I mean, I, t- I told him last time I saw him, he's just like an incredible like human being. And I was like, you know, you are an inspiration to all of us younger Cuban-Americans that are in the hospitality world. And let's, let's tell people who... Julio, Julio, Julio was named best bartender in the country, right? Yes. Julio Cabrera, uh, the owner of Café La Trova on 8th Street. And was it like 12th? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, give or take. And... He's been in the Miami circuit for like a, a long He's time. He's been around for a long time, but what really put him on the map was when he was on the cover of GQ. That's what He was on the cover of GQ. Yeah. Talk about goals, man. Yeah. Fuck. Being on the cover of GQ. When he was at... Um, you don't need a new t-shirt. Uh, what is it? The, yeah. uh, <laughs> the Regent Cocktail Club. Yeah, yeah. So I had no idea. That was back in the heyday of the yeah. Regent Cocktail Club. I had no idea who this guy is. I walk in. I order a drink. He's talking to me. I'm like, wow, this guy's got this like ricky ricardo swag it was right before i opened finger i'm like he would be perfect for my bar for my restaurant i have no idea this guy's like a big shot was on the cover of gq so i'm like i walk in i had just made my cards i'm like listen if you ever like happen to leave here because i am like number one person who hates stealing people but if you ever need a second job or you ever happen to leave here's my card i'm opening up this restaurant i tell someone and they're like yo that's julia cabrera he probably got that card and put in a toilet that guy is like the shit i had no idea but he has this thing where he like enamors you i don't know his the accent the way he shakes the way he stirs his whole like persona is perfect he makes you feel like you belong there yes like he i mean when i saw him last time i had taken my business partner to throw out for the first time and he was just like you know my business partner is a canadian guy Walks in there, he's like, I fucking love this place. This place is amazing. And Julio's coming over and he's like, Would you like to drink? And it's just like his whole way of being hospitality wise, and it's like what Cuba used to be. You know, like what how the, the F and B world in Cuba was so like hospitality and quality oriented and you well, know a lot of so, the bartenders are from Cuba, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, his like I'm pretty sure the majority of his team is. And it's like when you go there, I feel like I'm almost honored to go there. Because it's like I'm experiencing something that I've always wanted to experience, but we're just in Little Havana. And it's it's really a fucking shame how much of a hard time he had opening Troa because so many shitty people tried to hold him down. And it just proves that like hard work, work ethic, and like persistence really is what matters. And that is, in essence, what makes our culture like special because that old school mentality of the Cubans that came here long ago worked their fucking ass off. Like my grandparents, they just, they're the hardest workers I've ever met. And I literally, I, I say it all the time. I work this hard because I saw them work this hard. So it's like, you see someone like Julio and you're just like, I just want to be like this guy when I grow up. Like he's just every, and everyone loves Julio. Like he's just, he's just a likable guy. And it's not even just that, you know, like, you know, those people that they're likable, but then when you like have their food, where you have whatever, you're like, this is not so good. <laughs> mm, I like you, but I may not be back for a while. Julio, you like, you want to go back every day. Like today I was just driving through Little Van. I was like, maybe I'll go by and see Julio for some coffee. Like, what do you think? You know, so I don't know. Uh, he's a, he is like, and I tell him, and I mean it, like 
we should all want to be like that guy. You know, it's impressive. So, I, so uh, a cocktail bar. I've I've never actually introduced myself. Oh yeah, to Julio, but you I did have a very pleasant interaction with him because he started talking to me because I was at La Trova with a group of friends who were visiting from out of town, and one of them, in a very out of towner sort of fashion, decided to order a white Russian ah. at La Trova. <laughs> I like that though, and yeah. I started cracking up not because of the order, but because when I went to the bar to get drinks for everybody who was at the table that I would be taking them back to, it turned into this chorus of Cuban cantineros. Isn't it amazing? No, 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 no. Trying to find... Oi! No estoy half and half! No estoy half! I'm half and half! And the whole fucking bar went on a mission to find a half and half because yeah. nobody knew that I estaba half and half. <laughs> That's the best. That is so funny. No, but, you know, I... I I love when you're at Trova and it's just like all of a sudden like they're playing the trumpet behind the bar and then the band is on the stage and then it's just like the energy and the vibe and the thing. It's just, it's incredible. It's really... It's an experience. It's really what Little Havana needed oh so badly, you know? They needed it so badly, like a real representation of Cuban culture right. because... Not just trying to make money off of a club. Off of like, yeah. Cuban music. Right. Which this is, is a cocktail bar with live Cuban music with real Cubans making your cocktails. Yeah. Well, and now there's actually like, there's a, there's a Cuban restaurant there. There's a Cuban restaurant there that, you know, Jorge Mas, you know him? Yeah. He was the sous chef at NIU for a long time and he just opened a place called Salao. And his Oh, food, I heard about it. It yeah, looks really good. Amazing. <laughs> amazing. And like, he's, you know. So that's cool to see more like real, real, not just like here's like some frozen, some frozen croquetas. Here's something I got out of a box or whatever, you know. So that's cool. So we're gonna start to wind down. We're winding down. I don't know what you're doing, but we're winding down. Um, any last thoughts you want to leave for the people in Salina? <laughs> <laughs> Come to Miami. Yeah. Blow your fucking mind. Yeah, we will. You will never leave. <laughs> I don't know. I'm really proud. I'm proud to be in Miami, and that's why I never left. Even, ha even having opportunities to go to New York um, to pursue fashion, I think I couldn't escape Miami. Miami, it's in my blood. The same way I couldn't escape cooking, it's in my blood, uh, in my DNA. And I don't know. I think we're a special breed of hardworking people that are proud to be who we are. Agreed. Thanks so much for doing this. Of course. Thank you for having me. I know me. this is a ride for you. It was you 40 from, minutes. You came from Finca Town to Coconut <laughs> All Grove. All the way from Finca Town. All the way from Finca well Town. Well worth it. Well worth it. So I'm going to note, by the way, that a solid percentage of our Salina, Kansas audience loves Finca. Oh. Because most of it is my sister. <laughs> <laughs> So I was wondering where we got that. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's why we say as a percentage of the population. Yeah. Huge. We're huge We're in huge Salina. We're huge in Salina. Uh we did promise we would do this. Uh the people with Che on the wall in Washington DC are Casta's Rum Bar. Ah, I just end. looked that up and they came up number two. Casta's. Casta's. You're gonna hear from me real soon. If you want an alternative to Casta's, oh. a little bit outside of DC. Give the I people have been If you want to feel like you are in Little Havana, like Pots and Pans might come out on this, like, like the hint of the smell of a Castro death rumor. <laughs> you want to go to the Cuban Corner restaurant. Not only that, 
but especially the two of you who, you know, you don't even have to be as well recognized as the two of you. But this guy has taken anybody who has even, like, if you have a LinkedIn profile, you can get a plaque <laughs> made with your name Perfect. on the wall. And it is just covered everybody from Celia Cruz to, like, my friend who's an attorney. Oh, I like that. Has his name on the wall. I want to get like, These are prominent yeah. Miami. These are prominent Cuban-Americans. I just want the spot next to Benny More. I'll be good. Yeah. 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 I'm sure you can negotiate. Yeah, if, if Gloria Stefan's on there, I want to be next to her. She's on Can there, I sure. say that I love Gloria Stefan? Like, I, I have this Gloria Stefan t-shirts. We have a Gloria Stefan cocktail. This is a whole other, like... It's like a whole thing. Like, Gloria Stefan... No, no, no. Stephan, I'm she, saying, like, we need a whole another 45 right. minutes to express my love. for sure. To yeah. express my love for Gloria Stefan. Right. In she, a non-creepy way. And Gloria's Because invited. I'm friends with her daughter, but in the non-creepiest way... I am obsessed with her. Yeah. She, um, and Emilio. Emilio's literally un paso de pan. Yeah. They ate at Cypress Room, and I was like a child. Like, Gloria Stefan's here. Gloria, still trying to get her here. I mean, literally, we've had at Ariette, because we have a Miami Legends section on the menu, uh, cocktails. Like, we've had Ron McGill here, because uh, we have a Ron McGill cocktail. We've had uh, Mr. 305 himself here that introduced himself as Armando. I'm like, I know who you are, but come on, let's be real. Um, <laughs> Walter Mercado, he expressed interest in Wait. coming here. Yeah. Okay. That's but he wanted to dine by himself downstairs away from people. And I said, we can make it happen. We can make it happen. Okay. Um, I want that picture when you get it. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we'll make it happen. I think you should get yourself a Walter Mercado costume. Yeah. And show up to his. When if he you guys- had his like sale, when he was selling all the stuff from his apartment, actually circling back, Emily's brother, Emily Stefan's brother, went and purchased a bunch of stuff apparently and i am so jealous of his findings oh. and i'm so mad i didn't go to that so and by the way for people who don't know what the mcgall is a it's an, like the an cleo iconic, an iconic puerto <laughs> rican astrologer cleo. it's miss cleo it's the cuban miss cleo yeah the Cu- is he cuban no he's puerto rican, he's puerto rican. but we well, all love yeah. him like he's cuban <laughs> yeah. let's just put that out there right like, he is one of us because we adopted him because every gram, every Cuban grandma watched yeah. Wadden. They're not even a real country anyway. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably what they're going to say. But we still love our Puerto Rican listeners, by the way. So don't turn us off. <laughs> you gave us Bad Bunny. We love you. Yeah. I have to go back to the time that I saw, and this is not because I dislike Bad Bunny, but um, I, even when he came to concert and all these people were posting, and I just posted something like, who is Bad Bunny? Oh, I had no idea. you got so many DMs, I'm sure. I got so many. Like, how dare you? I'm like, I'm asking wow. a legitimate question. Like, I don't know. I listen to Two years really ago, old music yeah. all the time. So it's not like I'm downing the guy. I'm sure he's amazing. Just, yeah. No idea who he was. And then I found out. Two years ago, I had no idea. And it, it happened. I'm a fan. And I can't believe it. And all my friends are like, you? I'm wearing a Misfits shirt. Like, I mean, I, I don't look like I go to a Bad Bunny concert. But you went. I've been to two, oh, and I'm wow. going to J Balvin on Saturday, which is who just is that exactly. He's <laughs> a Colombian, just like Bad Bunny, but Colombian. Colombian I'm sure Bunny. they're all amazing. Yeah. It's just I'm just it's, not. I just I'm can't. Hip. I'm ashamed a little bit to say that I'm into that music, but I'm into it. What? But don't be ashamed. A little bit, <laughs> because it's like liking. It's a guilty pleasure. <laughs> what What can I compare it to, like in American culture, like? Like in McDonald's it's French like fries? Liking, Migos. No, uh, not food. I Migos. mean, like. Migos. I mean, I mean, like. No, but nobody likes Migos, really. Singers or rappers. No, somebody. Does. Nobody really likes Migos. They just like saying, I like Migos. Like, I don't know. Like, liking. I don't even, I don't even know Kenny what Ta- G. Tyga sings. No, like one of these rappers that. The guy who came were, up with the panda song. Two Chains. 
designer. Like liking ah, two chains. Yeah. I don't know any song that two chains sings, but I'm, a lot of people like them. So I, so I don't know any songs two chains sings, but this is we like to. By the way, start thinking about your parting recommendation. We like to end with. Oh yeah. Recommending it can be anything. Anything you read, did a party recommendation. No, no, part, party. Oh, party. Oh, oh, party. Right. Hey, here's parting the thing I read, thing I watched, sorrows. whatever. I'm gonna recommend. Uh, GQ does a video series called "Most Expensive as Shit" with like two that. chains, and it's two chains just going to a place that sells super expensive shit. I like that, and it's great because two chains you would not expect is blown away and usually is mocking like, "Who pays for gold covered popcorn?" <laughs> that is it's awesome. So funny. It's great. So chains, single kernel, salt, gold, five dollars. I'm gonna get the fuck out of here. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh man. All right, so parting thoughts like uh recommend something to the people. What am I recommending? Um, um Could be a, you you read a thing, you joined a gym that was cool, you watched a movie. <laughs> Honestly, my gym is not cool. I go to LA Fitness on 8th and 142. Actually, that's ex- an experience in itself. Oh, LA, LA Fitness. That's, LA Fitness, LA is Fitness that, they, on 8th They could Street? start Instagram uh, accounts I, on what you see at LA Fitness. I, I don't go past 7 p.m. because that's when it turns into a club. Yeah, they're all but wearing chanclas. Yeah, I they're happen to go. There was a girl, small. like, I don't know. She was done from head to toe. And I don't even think she worked out. I'm pretty sure she just took pictures at every... Like mirror, uh, what's that? No mirrors. mirrors, but on the like treadmill, but like going at a, a two speed, like not breaking a sweat. I'm like, why are you here? Well, you can't have a blurry photo. What's that? You can't have a blurry photo. You can't have a what? You, you can't have it blurry. Oh, a blurry. Oh, it has yeah, to come yeah, out. Yeah, right. you got it. That's why that's, it's got to be on pace. Yeah, you can't be bouncing up and I just, down. Really I hard. don't know. That's. I mean, that's my recommendation. Go to LA Fitness on Asia One Four Two past eight p.m. And honestly, there'll be a lot of things to see there. In Finkatown. In Finkatown. Finkatown is an interesting place. I love going out there. I do. I also really want to go to Arbetters. I haven't oh. been there in like 20 years. Man. And every time my girlfriend and I pass by, we're like, one day. No, but one it's... One day. I've never been. Ar- what? I have eaten three Arbetters hot dogs that were brought to me. Wow. What? Yeah. You so, have to go because it's like an experience to go. Quickly. I mean, I went to Columbus. So Columbus is down the street. So we used to like assholes in the middle of like two a days during football we're like yeah we'll go to Arbetters and get a hot dog and that's a terrible idea but I mean Arbetters is quintessential Miami it's like if you think that Joe Stonecrab is quintessential Miami Arbetters is, is just as important as Joe Stonecrab yeah it's not fancy there's no maitre d but it doesn't fucking matter without that place that is a cornerstone of this city we would be in trouble, just like Isla Canarias, just like Versailles, just like a lot of places. You know, like there's there's those cornerstones, and Arbetters is one of them, and so is Norman Brothers. And from what I hear, Norman Brothers is getting knocked down because of development. Hashtag development. What? Yeah, so, you know, there's those things in Miami, just like Jamaican Kitchen on 87th and Sunset. Ooh, fire, like Jamaican patties. Yes, like all that stuff. You want to hear something fucked up? Sure. Nathan's is opening down the street down from our better. Down the street better. from our better. Oh, I know. That? I saw that. It's like a topic that me and my friends joke about. Every time I pass by, I'll take, I'll take a picture and be like, yo, they're opening a Nathan's. But I think we should all go buy a bunch of our better's hot dogs and eat them in front of Nathan's when it opens. I'm so down. That's fucked up, And man. wearing our better gear. Yeah. Yeah, it's just no, like, don't. I don't. I don't what's, like that. What's like, the uh, the Larry Bird deal at our better? Yeah, you go and you say, I love Larry Bird. You get a free Coke. 
but they don't actually do it. But it's fine. I like the story. It's cool, but it's uh, <laughs> we actually did an event at Our Betters, which was wild. What? Yeah, we well, oh, Gio. Okay, that should be the highlight of Pasolito Papi did a like you know it was Burger Beast, Pasolito Papi, and and it was like a line. I mean, it was a line all the way to the end of the block. It was amazing. It was just that was cool. That's why like. When Gio mentioned me, he's like, what do you think? I'm like, yeah, bro, cook it our better. I want to go cook it our better. He's like, fuck. So uh, my parting thoughts. Oh, I can't recommend it because it was a one-time thing, but it was an experience that I thought was very cool. So Steven Strajewski, I have a very hard time saying his name, but he's the chef at Cochon uh, and Pesh and Cure and Butcher in New Orleans. And he did. I love Pesh. I just want to mention one of my favorite restaurants. Right. So he did a dinner at Mignonette. uh, And I went. uh, He actually ate at Chugs, which I was like fangirling about. But I was working the line at Ariad, so I couldn't go and, you know. But he ate a big plate of oxtail, which is cool. Um, And the meal was incredible. Super, like, great night. Uh, What was really special was. Before Ariad opened, we had like a, a year span that I was kind of like lost. Like Ariad was going to open in Little Havana and then it ended up opening here. And then there was a lot of back and forth and I was lost and not doing any work. But I had like no money and I ended up going to New Orleans for three days. And I literally went just to go eat at Cochon, to eat at Butcher and to eat at Pesh. Um, I ended up only going to eat at Cochon and Butcher because I spent all my money on drinking. Um, and those two experiences will forever influence. Like it, like the grilled oyster, I never had it until I went to New Orleans. And I, I mean, I sat at the kitchen bar and I watched their guy just like, I mean, slang oysters out of that oven and just get crushed like a dozen at a time. So I had the opportunity to tell him that his food influenced me years ago and still does now. So I, that was very cool. Um, so that was my experience there. Yeah. So just to not be like, I'll, I'll recommend. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, I will recommend a thing that is on one of your menus and a thing that isn't together. So you can't do it here. And it's only going to be on there for a month more. So can't nope. you? Nope. Uh, the, one of the things is not. So one of them. So this is a pairing that we, shameless plug, Cigar Snob Magazine. Next issue that is shipping in the next week or so. Uh, we have a section on mezcals. Del Maguey. Mezcal with the Padron 1964 Maduro. Mind-blowing pairing, so you should do that. And also, as long as we're on the travel thing, there's also a travel story in there. If you are in Mexico City, do the tasting menu at Quintonil. Oh, yeah. That, that was, was oh, yeah. bananas. That was, I, I won't even bother going into what that was, uh, but that was a pretty, like, Top five meals of my life. Get the magazine. Don't even bother with the magazine. Just go to Quintonil, <laughs> buy yourself a bottle of Del Maguey and a Padron 64 Maduro. Forget the magazine. Whatever. If you want to know more about it, that's fine. But that's what you should do. So, uh, shameless plugs? Yeah, yeah. Shameless plugs. So, this is where we let you shamelessly plug all your stuff. All your stuff. Websites, social media. <laughs> events uh, coming up. All right. So, I think you should do a Miami tour. Of uh, Finca Town. Finca Town. Have breakfast at Ila Canaria Bakery on 137th and Bird Road. Then go have a cafecito and croqueta at Ila Canaria Restaurant on 137th like and Coral Way. Then go to, I would say go to Finca 
have some cocktails, have lunch or dinner, and then drive yourself over to Amelia's 1931, have uh, some sake and dessert, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, yeah. Ilas Canaria, Finca Table on Tap, Amelia's 1931. Did I do it right? Yeah. Is that how you do it? Finca with a K, by the way. Finca with a K, because there's a restaurant with Finca with a C, and I don't know where the fuck it is, but it's not a Miami. Mm-mm. Get out of here, Finca with a C. And uh, yeah, you could follow me on all the things. Big Ink, Area Miami, Nave Miami is happening soon, I promise. Chugs, Diner, and I-M-P-I-G-I-N-C. Um, and yeah, that's all we got. Thank you so much for your time. We got to plug Thank Pan you for having podcast me. thing. Relax, bro. Oh, that's right. That's oh, right. My bad. Bro. My bad, Nick. Dude. So you've been listening to Pancong Podcast. You can find past episodes at dademag.com slash Podcast. I think we're up to like 15-ish episodes by Are the time we? this comes out. Wow. Something like that. Yeah. That's wild. Um, yeah, this is this is we are an institution. Yeah. Uh, so follow us at Pancong Podcast on all of the social media things. Also on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you can find Mike getting super <laughs> aborodao on sports subjects. There are roughly two to three minute videos of Mike absolutely losing his shit on the Dolphins and or the Hurricanes, and it is great. Just go on. Just fucking press record. You barely beat us. You know what? We should have played without the offensive line. That's how fucking bad they were. Because all I hear is all these Abercrombie and Fitch fucking wearing guys with the fucking chancletas and shit. Danny, don't fucking smirk. Get out of the fuck. Get out of here. There was two false starts that anyone could have seen. I'm okay with it. It's totally fine. When you're by yourself crying in your fucking closet. I'll see you later. I gotta do it, man. It's like, you know, I, I don't have the opportunity to talk about sports often anymore. And, um, you know, I'm just a disgruntled fan. It's pretty great. I'm a big fan. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, especially because, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm not a huge Dolphins fan. If anything, I just follow the heat locally. Uh, and I went to Mizzou, so there's nothing to be excited about there. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah. No, it's. I got it's, a lot of shit about our last one for me saying that the Marlins are the best team in South Florida. Just for, for the record, the heat haven't played yet, so I'm sorry. Yeah, Jimmy Butler. Don't get like, yeah, you know, relax, really, relax. really nitpicking my four-minute rant. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, and we I don't bet. know what that's going to be like. It could be a, a garbage fire. I don't know, man. I don't care. Give me my four minutes. There you go. Thanks. You'll have plenty of four minutes. <laughs> All right. And, uh, yeah, so now we get to thank you and be nice people uh, and say that I'm uh, pretty sure we're going to have you back. I would love to. So we should do that. Yeah. Maybe we'll go to Finca Can next we time. just do one episode about Gloria Stefan? Yes. I, I like that idea. Yeah. I, I really, All things are Stefan. I, I like that idea. I mean, you know, like so many of... Her songs are like on repeat on my like personal playlist, and I play for myself when I'm feeling some kind of way. So it's like, they're, I love it. I think we should lobby really hard to get her on the show. Right. I mean, I, I can, think I can maybe get Emily on the show. Maybe. I like what this she's is going. vegan. You have vegan stuff. I can make it happen. All right, we'll make it happen. Side note. Side note. Side note. Last thing. Sure. Brunch this last week. I asked one of my front of the house staff. Tell me one thing about the quiche. He says, Chef, I don't know anything about it, but I know it's vegan. <laughs> nice. I stopped in my tracks. I said, Sir, get the fuck out of my restaurant. <laughs> I oh, kept him, but he felt very oh, bad. Okay. It's quiche is not vegan. Sorry. Anyways, that's good. Thanks. What if you made a vegan quiche? Have you ever had a vegan quiche? I had a vegan I quiche have- and it was fucking terrible. <laughs> Sorry. It exists somewhere and it should not. When he read it, he probably said quiche when he read it. <laughs> Quiche, un quiche, un quiche. Un quiche.
All right. That's it. Enjoy your quiches, everybody. See you at Los Cigars. By the way, our, our, when this comes out, little teaser, our following episode, because we had talked about about Amparo, will be Vanessa Garcia, who wrote Amparo. Oh, so, okay. She's awesome. So there. That's it. Now we're done. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye.